G'day and welcome to Formula Bums. This week we are previewing the Baku Grand Prix. With me is Riso and Andy. How are you, gentlemen? Going great, thanks. I'm good, mate. It's actually the Azerbaijan Grand Prix yeah. held in Baku. I've been as a as a no. You've been, been practicing, practicing all week. And I still can't do it. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I learned how to spell it. Look, it is in Azerbaijan. It's the Baku Grand Prix. No, it's the Azerbaijan Grand Prix the held Azerbaijan- in Baku. That's what I said. So <laughs> I've said it twice now. We're wasting time. I just want to get something off my chest. I'm so excited. Baku is one of the races I look forward to every year. I think it is the epitome of what a street circuit should be. It is the top tier street circuit. It's phenomenal. It's communist. Like, what's not to love? Azerbaijan is a very controversial country, and we know that. However, the racing fucking slaps. So I'm going to give it a pass for this week. <laughs> I'll give it a pass. It's better than the fucking Saudi track. It, look, it is the best street circuit we have. It it starts off with incredible straights. There's the old section, which is incredibly slow and technical. And then the back end of it, which is essentially, it just builds and builds and builds onto the main straight. The last, like, after you come out of the castle section, it's almost like a roundabout in a way. Pretty much. You're just, just kind like, of winding up. Yeah, winding up for the fucking big straight. And look, the cars are incredibly quick there. We saw how close they could follow in Monaco. It only means this year's going to be better. But, gentlemen, we should begin with the news. I've got a lot to talk about Williams today. I know That's a I always, first. Yes, I know I always forget about him, but I figured we should do the yearly roundup for Williams. <laughs> Get him off my chest now, and then I never have to talk about him. But, starting off with Alex Albon, I guess the first piece of news that a lot of social media is blowing up with is the fact that Russell's come out and said he's a very competent driver and he's quite happy with him, which, in my mind, is... Yeah, bro, that's kind of obvious. He smacked you around in the lower grades a little bit when you were racing together. He's clearly quick, and he's doing a good job. He scored all of Williams' points this year. He's got three. You know, George never did that on his own in Williams. Every time he scored, Latifi or Kubica scored as well, and even Kubica outscored him in that one year. Yeah, and did Latifi beat him one year, or towards the end it was looking like if there was another two races, he was going to beat him, or was that just with qualifyings? I think that might have Nah, I don't remember. But yeah, Albon is absolutely killing it at Williams. He, they've come out and reported that he suffered a puncture early on at Monaco, which wasn't a massive issue, but it, it screwed up his strategy, which is a big issue. He's then gone in and pitted, but the car developed unexpected bounces on the straights that wasn't attributed to porpoising. So that's why they ended up retiring him from the race. They retired him? Yeah. Man, I didn't even realize he got grayed out. He didn't, yeah, no, he didn't finish. Latifi ended up picking up two places towards the end there. But the interesting thing that's come out with Latifi this week is based on his warm-up lap incident or the formation lap incident. He's gone into the barriers. And after the race, or on the radio, he said kind of like, I turned and then the car didn't turn and now I've hit the barriers. What's going on here? What, what that actually means is, I'm a complete fucking disgrace to this team and you should fire me, his words. <laughs> Look, a bit harsh, but he's not He's not doing well. What I found interesting, though, he's now since come out in an interview and kind of changed the story a little bit. It turns out it has nothing to do with turning. He turned the car, but halfway around the corner, the accelerator turned on and shot him <laughs> into the wall. Now, Williams did a very interesting political thing where they didn't come out and say he was wrong, but in the same article, it's also said that Williams has said that the throttle sword, no incidents, is in the formation lab. <laughs> now, we don't know what... It It was so 
such an interesting little hiccup that, look, if it was any other driver, we'd go, oh, yeah, well, the car's got a gremlin, something's gone on. But with his record, it doesn't look good. There's only one other driver we wouldn't say that for. It was the same dickhead who crashed with him. Yeah, well, he's already crashed. <laughs> <laughs> Stroll had already crashed at that point, so it didn't matter. They have telemetry of the accelerator. Couldn't they just see if he did accelerate? Well, that's... I want to see the replay see if his tires turned also. Well, but that's the thing where I think we were just being political is they haven't released the telemetry, but they're saying that there was no errors with the throttle. <laughs> so if it did go on, it's because he's lit it up a little bit too much and just gone in. But that was on the she, on the hairpin, wasn't it? Yeah, hairpin. those hairpin. Which you're only meant to go 48 k's around that in the dry. Yeah. Look, so imagine how slow you meant to go in the wet, Latifi. Like 35, maybe. And he and he didn't even go halfway around the corner. It was before the corner. He didn't even try and go to the apex. He's just like straight north. Oh, what did I put there? I didn't turn. Or oh, my th- accelerator got stuck on. I think it was just a mistake, wasn't it? Surely. Uh, surely. It's just another list in the long re- long list of reasons why Latifi needs to be fired. It it breaks my heart, though, because he's a very likable bloke. It's hard not to like Canadians. That's why I stroll such like an enigma, because Canadians are traditionally very well loved by Australians. But that dude just has a very punchable head and personality. <laughs> so like, I can commend Stroll on being as unlikable as he is. Latifi, on the other hand, is a very likable young man. He's not an untalented driver like he earned his position in this team and i know that it is fun to beat on this man because it is fun but i just i do feel for him too because he cops a lot of flack from us included i'm not saying that i've never said anything bad about him but i want to see him do well you know what i mean like yes he is a paid driver but he's also a talented paid driver i do want to see him perform well i like williams despite that i always forget about them i do like them yeah, I don't know. It's just, I, I feel for the poor fella as well. And he's got to know his job's on the line with who's coming through the ranks. Yeah, speaking of, Williams has come out and said that Nick DeVries did an absolutely superb job in his FP1 practice at Barcelona. Did better than Latifi, didn't he? He did beat Latifi in the Times. They, I think it was with the either a race engineer or a technical engineer or a racing performance manager. It's someone who sits on the wall at Williams, came out and did like a breakdown of his performance. And they a couple of things that he mentioned that I wanted to highlight were he commended Nicholas on his ability to do a outlap and an inlap perfectly. So the getting the vehicle ready to do your stint and then also cooling it down after a stint, he said it was flawless. Also that the information and breakdown he provided on how the car felt, what they wanted the car, what he wanted from the car was on par or better. Now, of course you say on par because you can't shit talk your own drivers, <laughs> but was essentially better than what their current drivers were giving. Like his ability to communicate the car's feel and also the setup changes to improve the feel and drive of the car was better than their current drivers that they had. Which I honestly think is because he is a Formula E world champion. He's a Formula 2 world champion. This kid is a very, I say kid, he's like 25, 26 now is a very, very competent driver. And was the first Dutch world champion, technically. Yes, technically. I just want to keep pointing that out because <laughs> I know it irks you. Not a huge... It does a little bit because I'm a very big Max fan. But I also did, when I was watching the Junior Series, really like DeVries because he is... One, he's very small. and I personally think quite cute. <laughs> and he's a good personality for the car. So like, imagine... 
if Max had Seb's personality. So we're talking that level of skill, but with like a really nice kind of jovial, happy-go-lucky personality. But really what I wanted to kind of talk about is if you're Williams right now and you've got Piastri who has some links to the team and rumors around him, Nick DeVries who's currently involved in the team and has won a world championship, you've got Albon who is outperforming the golden boy of George Russell at, during his time at Williams and you've got Latifi who's not performing acceptably. What do you guys do? Do you lose one, keep both? Do you bring one in? Like, you know what I'm going to say. I mean, you're going to say, get rid of Latifi. Fuck Latifi off right now and bring DeVries in from this weekend. You're accurate. So, like, just, just, just get rid of, just pull the plot. He's fucking hopeless. Do the Red Bull. Do the Red Bull. Just fucking cut him. Fuck him. I mean, you send it, him back to Canada. If he's going to crash one more time, I reckon it's going to be costing too much for the team with this current market cap. Maybe, I don't know, Canada Grand Prix is next weekend. Maybe you keep no, That's even better that. reason. <laughs> <laughs> even better reason to do it. Can Canadians boo? Do they know how to boo? Because if they did, they'd definitely boo that decision. Well, they're going to boo fucking Stroll next week. I hope so. Yeah, I'd, look, DeVries is a safe bet, but... I, th- I think the Piastri link would only come into it if, like, Toto wants to and he gets his wish, he cuts a team and it unfortunately is Williams then why would DeVries go to a team that they've just cut? He would obviously move into the Aston seat or the McLaren seat potentially, and that would leave the Williams seat completely free for Piastri. With with a Renault engine deal, like, there you go, boom, fixed. Actually, that does make the most logical sense when you you talk about the fact that Mercedes is going to pull a customer team. When's this going to be? We don't know. We don't know. He just wants to at this stage. It hasn't been confirmed that he will cut one. But can it be mid-season or do that? No, 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 no. no, no, no. no. Okay, cool, cool. No, uh, because of each each individual engine is remarkably unique. Like they have to have the same limit of power and the same sort of output and all that sort of stuff. However, the engines are different size. So remember last year's Alpine, how it had that beluga shape over the top engine cover area? It was a bit thicker than everyone else. It looked weird. That was essentially because the Renault power engine required a different spatial setup in the chassis of the vehicle than any of the other, than the Mercedes, which is a very streamlined small package, and the Ferrari, which is also quite streamlined. The Renault engine does sit differently in the car, and that's what caused so many issues when they were at McLaren and Red Bull, is that McLaren and Red Bull were designing chassis that didn't suit what the engine required in order to get better aero performance, but it also caused massive reliability issues. That's why the Renault engines and the Alpine cars and the Renault cars never blow up when the engine and chassis is designed in unison. When it's not, there's there's issues there. So you can't drop an engine mid-season and just jam something else in the car because one, the cost cap, and two, the whole car is designed around seating and housing the engine. It's just, it's not really an option that they have to go into. More on Williams though. They have come out and admitted that their big problem and what they're actually struggling with this year isn't engine or isn't engine related and it's not necessarily chassis related it's strictly an aero problem that would make sense it seems like that car's got not much control and is it's not undrivable but it is the least drivable car on the lot and i feel like it is from the aero and it's a balanced thing that's why you see paul latifi like spinning out not being able to turn not getting the downforce he needs to get in certain spots i mean yeah it that is the main reason why. So essentially, 
Williams has said that we have four or five different ideas, four or five different parts that we're considering working on to bring to the car. They're not bringing anything before Baku and Canada because there's no point. They're a lower downforce track, higher straights. And we saw that they were faster at Monaco, even though it was just a dire weekend for them. They were faster at Monaco than some of their rivals versus their speed at Spain, where they were the 20th fastest car and 19th fastest car. They were just genuinely slow. Spain's a very high downforce setup. So so is Monaco, though. Monaco is everyone runs the highest downforce possible at Monaco because of all the technical parts. Oh, true. Did you not realize that? No, it makes perfect sense. Because if you look at a Monaco wing compared to a Monza wing, the Monaco wing's like this and the Monza wing's like that. Yeah, practically flat. Yeah, basically. To the ground. Um, and the other point on that too is, I don't know if you've noticed, but the Williams actually have the slimmest side pods compared to, like, compared to the rest of the field if you exclude Mercedes who don't have side pods. Like quite close and hugging the car. No, quite like minimal. Minimal they side have pods. minimal side pods compared to the rest of the field. They're similar, similar design philosophy to the Mercedes, except Mercedes just said, nah, fuck you, and cut them off, basically. Whereas Williams have slight side pods, but they are minimalistic in, in a sense. And that, I mean, I guess our current interpretation of the side pods is mainly around cooling. Mm-hmm. But if there are two teams struggling with aero, the most being Mercedes and Williams, and they're having the least amount of side pod. Clearly, that body shape and size as well isn't helping. Like the Ferrari, I guess, where its strength is coming from in that those corners. Then, by that logic, would be those wider and curved inlet side pods are catching more air for more downforce pressure over the car. Yep. Whereas the Williams is cutting through the air really well, but not catching enough downforce to stick it to the ground. That's a good point. I just thought of it then, and I read it earlier today. But it does make sense. And look, they know that aero is their big problem. What they're working on, though, is, and weirdly enough, they said that, look, we didn't have a catastrophic failure at Monaco. Like, both cars got home. We broke one wing. That's all we broke. I mean, you were lucky to get away with breaking just one wing. You were very lucky to get away with that. But they just need to come to a decision about which part they're going to develop and then manufacture that because they don't have the facilities to manufacture all of them and test. And also the cost cap. They wouldn't have the money there to manufacture them all. And that's another big component too. I don't even know if they're one of the teams who are hitting the cost cap as well. I don't think they were. They were getting even close to it before pre-cost cap. Yeah. Like they were getting to like $140 million before they brought in this cost cap. I can't imagine they're hitting the cost cap. Probably not. But I guess that that's the Williams catch-up. They're still... As as poor as they're doing this season, they're actually in a really good spot when you've got two incredibly talented drivers who are competing for a seat in that team. You've got a decent car that you know what the issue is and you have some fixes in place. So despite how rough their season's been, they're scoring points more regularly than they used to. They know what they're working on and they've got young, talented drivers who are looking to enter the team. So it's actually a pretty good position for them to be and probably the best they've been in the last four years, I'd say. I think after the mid-season break, we'll know exactly who's stepping in those seats next year. If there is going to be a mid-season switch, it's definitely at Williams. I can't see any other team doing it. No, I can't. Red Bulls are performing well. They're the only other team that would consider it because they have history doing that. And they have, (laughs) after that whole shenanigan where they did drop Albon at the end of the year, they said that, look, we had that discussion, but we saw what we did to Pierre and... It's actually not the image we want for our team to be that ruthless. 
So I think, I don't think we'll ever really see it from them again. Because as much as it is about winning races, it's also global branding and it didn't look good doing that. You know what else doesn't look good? What's that? When you have the father of the world champion criticizing your team because you let the second driver win. Oh, so I haven't put much thought to this because one, Josh Verstappen is not a good person. And two, it's just so childish. It's like that's what you expected from Max four years ago. Yep. Those sorts of comments. He can I think he's so short sighted because at Barcelona, Checo was running to a delta that let Max win. Yep. This time there was a Ferrari between the two cars. How are yeah. you gonna safely let uh Max pass? Joss is just like the only good thing Joss has ever done is give us Max. And it's just unfortunate that Max has won a world championship and we still can't be rid of this dickhead who keeps talking absolute nonsense to anyone who will listen to him, which isn't many people. Have we yeah. seen him in the paddock at all this year? Yeah, one of the races. I think he was at Monaco. Oh. Which is probably why he managed to get some airtime. Because, yeah, someone probably said, oh, what do you think, mate? Why don't you fuck off, Yoss? Oh, just shocking. Yeah. Shocking behaviour. Can he just get in the... Get in the pit where Mazepin is, so we don't have to hear about him anymore. <laughs> oh, I was going to say, say oh, I was just going to say in Baku. Do you reckon there's going to be any team orders if if it comes to it? Surely one not. and two. I'm, come to my predictions. A little hint: there's going to be a one, two Red Bull. I can't say I, it. No, I don't think so. The only time I would see team orders coming into effect is genuinely if there is a championship on the line or like at Barcelona where there's a it's obvious that the driver behind is going to pass you because yeah. you still have to make a pit stop I feel like let's Max just is, make it easier for him Max is going to pass Perez if it comes to it Max is a Regardless. faster driver yeah, yeah. he is he it, is quicker than Perez it makes you ask Perez. but then I reckon yeah Jos is just why is he getting so much airtime with useless comments when it's not even practical in that race I think one because scandal sells and yeah. a, and you know, it was so outlandish that everyone's talking about it, and we're talking about yep. it too. And also, you know, he lives vicariously through his son because he wasn't much of a driver. No, he did. It's shocking. Like the only highlight I can think of for Jos Verstappen is him nearly burning to death in the car. Fucking hell! But really, like that's it's that's his biggest highlight. That last year in the intro behind Max is is literally the clip of his father's car bursting into flames. That's kind of funny. <laughs> <laughs> and also they had Lewis surrounded by tires. Yes. Which also still gives me a good giggle. Yes. But in reality, I think that was like all his poles. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was a massive stack of tires. But yeah, look, Yosemite's having scandal sells. Anger anger and sex will always sell. Unless you're Charles Leclerc or Carlos Sainz, you ain't selling sex in F1, so go for the anger aspect. <laughs> Moving on from Yos, Alonso has come out. And done a little, a really quick interview. And someone asked him how, you know, the crash in Australia, how are you going? And he's actually said, I'm still injured. In fact, they reckon there's two or three months before my hand. He's got ligament and tendon damage. And it hasn't fully recovered from that massive off he had in FP3. Or was like it Q3? Yeah, it was Q3. In Q3, yeah, that massive crash. And it, like, yeah, you could see that get snapped, his, his hand gets snapped with the wheel. Yep. So apparently everything that's still in his hand is still injured and not quite healing and that the best recommendation for him is rest and recovery but he's like i got to jump in the car every two weeks yeah. and race well i mean he had a rest and recovery weekend last weekend <laughs> <laughs> it was just cruising 
just cruising through the streets of Monaco. I think he was just looking at all the parties going like, oh, which one am I going to go to later? <laughs> but he hasn't recovered. He's still struggling with injury, still working on improvement. And he's still better than Ocon. And he's still... That's, that's, that's the big takeaway from this. A busted Alonso is still one of the best drivers on the grid. Still putting in performances that most people wouldn't expect. Just oh. a legend. Right. I wouldn't even know if he didn't say anything. Like no. he's just, he's just driving like a boss. Yeah, he's he is and has always been just that good behind a car. He is the number one train driver for Formula Bums. <laughs> <laughs> he's our number one train driver based off last weekend's performance. Speaking of Monaco, something that I didn't really realize was a thing, but the Principality of Monaco sits in France, so it's surrounded by France. That's where it is. Yep. You didn't know that. Not really. I just assumed it was like near Italy or something. Yeah, I knew it was on it's, the Mediterranean. It's, yeah, it's on the Mediterranean on the you coast know. of France. Yeah, well, you learn something new every day. Here's something you're both going to learn. Apparently, the French government doesn't really like Monaco that much <laughs> because of all the tax haven shit they get up to and that they literally, the Department of Infrastructure screws with the Monaco Grand Prix every year by not putting trains on or cancelling trains the race weekend. So, so to, to Monaco. To in and out of Monaco, they were cancelling trains all weekend and screwing with them that way. That it is more likely for a strike to occur around the region of Monaco delays roadworks and, yeah, worker strikes the race weekend. I don't know if there are any this year, though. Reporting was a bit sketchy. So what I'm essentially saying is the French government screws Monaco every year around the Grand Prix is like petty revenge. <laughs> Which, in a global level, is ridiculous and only hurtful to the sport, but on like a shit story level, that is A-plus, right? Yeah, it's kind of funny. I find it hilarious. Ma- maybe the French should just take a lesson from Mon- Monaco and learn how to put a Grand Prix on properly. <laughs> well, they're still talking about dropping Paul Regard and France as a country, aren't they? Yep, Ocon's come out and said it's absolutely ridiculous, which is more of a reason to drop it. <laughs> <laughs> I I don't think you can discredit how much of a racing nation France is. They have one of the crown jewels being the Le Mans 24-hour. They have Gasly? They have Gasly. That's it. Was No, Gilles was French-Canadian, wasn't he? Gilles, yeah, he's Canadian. Yeah, French-Canadian. Because if he was Canadian-Canadian, it would be Giles. I just having that little discussion about France ignoring the shenanigans that can or cannot be proven because it's impossible to prove that track works is track works you need need to have maintenance I mean it just it always breaks this time of year because all these stupid people are going to a stupid race that's not in our country which is the best country in the world according to France well they're wrong Australia's the best country in the world exactly Moving on from the shenanigans that are clearly going on, that will never, ever be proven because track works happen. What are you going to do? The track's broken. It's not, you know, it's just random. It's not It's not our fault all you stupid people are going to a stupid Grand Prix in a country that's not ours. It happens. It's almost like in Australia how track work always happens on the long weekends. Yeah, it's very true. There's always buses on long weekends. It's bullshit. <laughs> I want to talk a little bit about Alfa Romeo and Valtteri Bottas. We spoke about him last week, but I'm never going to stop talking about this man. They've gone from coming ninth last year with 13 points to sitting in fifth this year with 41 points, 40 of them being scored by Valtteri himself. They could probably have more if Joe got off his ass and drove the car. I reckon it's his car, not driving. You reckon? He scored a point on his debut. He 
raced. So did points. Sonoda. And Sonoda didn't do well after that. It is a valid point. Yeah, well, give him a bit more of a chance. I reckon, yeah, the early races were easier to score points because a lot of people were dropping out. Yeah, every car blew up. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I've said it once and I'll say it again. I think Joe's doing absolutely fine for a rookie year in a midfield team. And that's, yeah, to come from where they were last year to be scoring a point. But Bottas is just driving the hell out of that car. He's definitely cementing the fact that every poor performance I had at Mercedes was Mercedes' fault. It really was, though. He is absolutely killing it. Also, it is nice to see him and Lewis having that friendship there. There's no real, there's no hard feelings, and that's a good thing to see. Well, it wasn't Lewis's decision to leave. For him to leave, it was Toto's. If yeah, Lewis had his way, it would have been Valtteri there this year. I know. Something came out of Monaco as well. Uh, some the s- naked photo. Oh, it was Bottas's bum, and he was signed and gave it to Lewis. Yes. 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 <laughs> he saved the very last print to give to Lewis. Yeah. <laughs> I saw someone edit that to be Valtteri handing over the picture of the. Uh, Nico Rosberg on fire and <laughs> heading into Lewis. <laughs> and I thought that was pretty spectacular. But apart from like the massive points getting, Alfa Romeo has come out and said they're like, look, we are so stoked. Valtteri is in such a good place right now. Valtteri's come out and been like, I've never been happier in this sport than by doing what I do every day. He absolutely loves it. They did mention that they know what they need to fix, which is their their starts. Clearly, they're not getting off the line as well as they want to. And high-speed stability. I'm glad they came out with that because they can't sustain that for the whole season where they are. I'm glad they're looking to upgrade the car because it does need upgrades. Yeah, essentially, they, they've they come out and said, like, we can't really rely on Valtteri just being Valtteri and calling it a day or a year. We still know what we're working on. Also, Valtteri is the person to take them there too. I think the Alfa Romeo is the nicest-looking car, so the more we see of them, the better in my books. I, I love the look of it. The red and white is great. Get a big red V on the front of it. Somewhere. Oh, fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> and then I want to end with a conversation that is taking, is a very one-sided conversation that's happening in the media at the moment. That's essentially everyone telling Daniel Ricciardo to retire. Why can't we tell McLaren to fix the car? I think that's what the conversation needs to be. What? Daniel Ricciardo is a freak of a driver. Okay. I understand that his career hasn't really shown that so many of us in Australia are pointing out how good he is, but how good is Daniel Ricciardo? Heaps good. He's fucking good, mate. <laughs> fucking sick. I feel dirty He's got a that. massive cock. Huge. <laughs> but in all reality, he's a very talented driver. He is performing just as well as Seb and Alonso and VB. VB's doing a little bit better. I'd say Alonso's doing a bit better too. But he's in that age bracket now where he's older than being a young driver. He's not an up-and-comer. He's a very established driver. He's still performing relatively well. When you take away the mechanical issues that he's had in the other races, he's been right on Lando's pace apart from qualifying. That's really where the difference is forming in these areas. And then he gets stuck behind someone and just can't pass them. And we know how good Daniel is at passing people, right? He's a freak under braking. He's Mc- not confident on the McLaren bikes, is he? Yeah, but McLaren hasn't come out once and said, we have not given this man a car he needs to show his true potential. I think they're taking a very easy route and using the mob mentality of a lot of people who don't understand the sport well enough because every tweet 
that you see around Daniel Ricciardo is it's time for him to move on. It's time to open it up. There's no one in this sport or any motor racing category that you can bring in who can give you the results that he is giving you currently. Yes, Lando is doing better in it. Lando has had that car designed specifically for him. And for the last three years in a row, he hasn't taken it any further forward. Yeah, I, I think if it wasn't for Lando being the other driver, we wouldn't see this bias from the British media. And uh, you, there was one interview that I did see and that was kind of trying to have a dig at Daniel and go, oh, what do you think about these comments uh, Zach Brown made about you? And he goes, like, honestly, I'm disappointed with my performance this year. Like, we've got a lot to improve in. I haven't found the, the car yet. And I reckon these cars are difficult to drive. Oh, they're designed, you know, there's no traction control. There's only just power steering. Like, these cars are not easy machines to pilot. But when he was in Red Bull on his storm until all the Red Bull politics got involved, he was driving that car better than anyone else, better than Vettel was. And it wasn't a good car when he was in there either. It was the third or fourth fastest car. And he was still getting wins and heaps of podiums. He was also in a car that had an engine that is about as reliable as a backpack unattended in a train station. could blow up at any moment. Yeah, and it did. What, like... Six retirements in eight <laughs> races towards the end. <laughs> I'm just so angry. It's a funny joke, but I am. I'm. Look, I am annoyed because Zach Brown gets a pass for just being like this jovial, happy man, and he is. And I don't want to dig at him, but I genuinely think McLaren needs to sit down and have a proper discussion. Going, is our current development going to get us any higher on the grid, or is it? only maintaining our position as fourth or fifth fastest year after year. It sucks being Williams stuck near the back of the grid, but if you're this close to competing for a world championship, wouldn't you put all your chips in the guy who you can, or all your chips behind the guy who has developed teams into race-winning teams before? McLaren, not McLaren, Renault was absolutely nowhere until they bought Daniel Ricciardo. And he took it to a podium winning team, which it is still doing and improving on his philosophy to this day. Alpine is looking like they're going to beat McLaren. And it's not because of what Ocon's doing. It's because of two drivers, Daniel building the base and Fernando outperforming on top of that. I think it's time for McLaren with Zach Brown and Andre Seidel to sit down and go, look, Lando, we know that if we make these changes to the car, you're going to struggle. But when you learn how to adapt to them, you'll be fighting for third every single week. And that hasn't happened yet, and I don't think it's fair. They always seem to be just picking up the scraps when Max or Lewis have an incident, you know what I mean? Like, every time that uh, Lando's got on the podium, he's capitalised on others' misfortune. Yep. And it's not because Lando's a bad driver. As much as Jack likes to say he is. I'd never say he's a bad driver, just say I don't like him. And I don't like him because I think... He's the one writing all these bullshit articles to get rid of Daniel. The other thing on top of that too is... And he has a tiny penis. The other thing on that too is uh, the news coming out that the the McLaren-Danny mechanics to split actually are in favour of Daniel over McLaren. So McLaren can't just fire him, but if Danny wants to, he can walk away if the car's not performing. And it's getting to the time where I guess he would... Despite what a lot of the media has said is Daniel Ricciardo would still be a valuable buy for any team. 
Look what Alfa Romeo has done with Valtteri. They bought in Valtteri Bottas and said, whatever you want, we will make for you because we know what you're capable of. And they're coming fifth. Fifth. With more than triple the points they had last year and any year before that in a couple of races. Five races, six races. Would Gunter consider yep. getting rid of Mick for him? Yeah. I mean, I think Gunter's already considering getting rid of Mick at this point. Yep. I can't see Danny jumping up anywhere on the grid, but Haas, who clearly want to develop their vehicle, and they've improved with K-Mag there too. K-Mag's doing wonders in that car. He would, what, top 10 in Monaco with qualifying again? It's not the first time he's been in Q3. Mm-hmm. Imagine bringing in someone like Daniel Ricciardo who has raced regularly for the podium. K-Mag never really has, and he's still making that car better. He made one podium and it was in his debut race. Exactly, so that doesn't you can't yeah, count exactly. that as... But if you get Danny in there, all of a sudden you've got two guys who can develop a car and can come to terms with the philosophy, you know what I mean? Yep. And the, the Haas and car... And race simile. Yeah, and the Haas car is genuinely almost there, you know what I mean? Like, there is pace in that car. It just needs to stop getting wrapped around every street circuit it goes to. Yeah, and Haas is only going to improve. And there's a lot of talk about bringing in an American driver who'll build that American crowd. Danny yeah, Rick Danny. is essentially an American. Yeah, he's Texan. Yeah, Coda, like the American fans love Daniel Ricciardo. Every person who's ever met and worked with that man loves him to death. Like even for a culture perspective, he will bring something to your team. I don't think it's the end. I think the most likely cause of action is that he kind of goes, you know what, I'm going to activate this clause and sign a deal with a lesser team. And after he's got another drive, he'll come out and say, it's like, yeah, he's everything I asked for in a car and they activated exactly zero of my ideas because they're clearly not getting any better. There's going to be a point where Lando can't go up anymore. And if you want to get high on the constructions, you need to build Daniel up. Yep. And I'm waiting for that moment, but they're not doing that. I think they're already at that moment where Lando's gone as far as he can development-wise. Well, yeah. He's been in roughly the same position for the last two years. Three even. They're They're not getting anywhere. And yeah, hopefully it changes soon. But that's all my news. Fair enough. (laughs) Do you want to talk about the race that's coming up? Righto, Randy. Do you want to start us off with uh, some track facts, please? So the Azerbaijan Grand Prix is held at the Baku City Circuit. It is a street circuit designed by Herman Tilka, which, shockingly, isn't a shit circuit. Yeah, because they didn't give him a blank canvas where he could just make it boring. They had to jam it into the current city. Yep. The race, uh, the lap length is 6.003 uh, kilometers, 51 laps over a two-hour period. The pole position's on the right-hand side of the track. That's a new one. Lap records held by Charles Leclerc at a 143.009. When was that? Was that when they 2019. were cheating? 2019. Yeah, they were cheating. <laughs> However, the fastest lap recorded in qualifying was Valtteri Bottas in 2019 at a 140.495. Maximum speed, 337 kilometers per hour down the straight. 78 gear changes per lap, and you lose 16.5 seconds in a pit stopping under green conditions. So it's a very quick pit stop compared very to other tracks. Very quick. That is interesting for strategy. It's always very. a good strategy track. Yeah. The undercut and overcut come into play every single weekend that we go to Baku. Yep. I, I, we've always said how much we enjoy this track. It's 
always a lot of fun. It's all, it comes down to Sector 3 for me. There's always drama. That's what I've noticed. There's it's Apart from the first race we've had there, there's never been a boring race. Because last year there was brake magic and the tyres randomly popping. Yep. The year before, Ferrari was cheating. No, the year before, there was no race because it was COVID. The year before that, Ferrari was cheating. Yes. <laughs> and the year before that... It was Max and Danny. Yeah. Which we'll talk about soon. Yeah. Because that's a massive one. I really like this track because it starts off with two 90-degree left corners and not that much room from the start line. So cars get relatively quick, but not fast enough to be super stable. They just get off the line into two hard lefts. Well, there's a short straight between turn one and two. Yeah. But again, it's up it's the gears, minimal. down the gears. Yeah. And that first lap is two abreast for a few corners. Yeah. Which is exciting. Up until the, the first DRS zone, which is coming off the second left-hander down to the, the third left-hander of the track because it's basically just a fucking rectangle. It is. <laughs> it, the top bit's just basically a rectangle. But yeah, down that that back first DRS zone straight, you will see cars sort of form into line because if you're coming down to turn three to abreast, you may not make that turn. Also, then you've got like the castle section through the old city, which is super tight and narrow. The old I am stupid. Yeah, Charles Leclerc just crashing into the side of a historic building. <laughs> into the roundabout that leads on to sector three, which is just one big long straight. Yeah. With yeah. There's a few curves in it, but you're full it's, pelt it's the whole way. flat out for a, a solid third of the track. Which is why I think the Red Bulls have got this. I, it is clearly a Red Bull strength track. You yeah. see him last year, he overtook Leclerc with no DRS. The, the, the Ferrari sucked last year. He still did it. Yeah. No, but that's no DRS. With DRS, what's going to stop him? Who says Max's DRS is going to work? <laughs> 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 We've you seen say. that before. I guess... Really, what I'm kind of expecting coming into this race is we'll see a bunch of upgrades designed for the lower downforce, more speed tracks, which means I think we'll see a couple of teams bringing adjustments to their floor, to their probably rear wing more so than front wing this weekend because it is a speed phase track and the front wing is normally used for cornering stability and whatnot. Most of the teams have their cornering, cornering stability done. Are there more slow speed or high speed corners here? Is it an even split? I think it? it's it's sort of even because if you think about it, the start whole of the, track. the whole first sector are hard braking zones into nine degree corners. Then you go down to the hairpin leading up to the castle section, which is technical. And then once you're through the castle section, it's basically flat out for turns, whatever they are, like around that basic roundabout section. They're all like kinks like that, like bare kinks but you're basically turning on the wheel the whole time, hitting three apexes. And then it comes into a hard braking zone, left-hander, hard braking zone, left-hander, and then you're flat out till turn one again. You know what I mean? Like, it's insane, this track. Which would mean it would be, I'd, I'd still say real limited. I'd say... tire limited. I'd say you'd, ba you'd have a lower downforce rear wing, but your front wing would be a bit higher just to get that cornering through the technical se sections. Yeah, because all you need to do through sector two is hold position yeah. and get through the corners safely because all the work gets done in sector three in the rear straight. Yeah. The passing area is the first sector, so all the all, most of the passing gets done in the first two two corners or on the straight at the rear. Yeah. So it, I think that's why it's such a good track because it makes sense in a layout of a circuit where you've got three very different zones that you need to manage the setup of the car 
to be effective in all three areas. It's not like Barcelona where it's like, well, if you're good at slow cornering and you can get a relatively decent speed, you, you nailed it, you're home safe. This one is like, well, do we sacrifice a little bit of cornering and hope that you can hold and get the car through with your skill and then let you open it up and just cruise down the straight, which is where Alphine's going to be interesting this week because they are very fast on open straights. They are. The other thing I wanted to think about too is uh, does Mick finish? He's being not, a street circuit. It being a street circuit, he tends to split his car in half. I mean, current current trajectory says no. Where I'm going to say yes is there are better runoffs at this street circuit than any of the others. I know. I reckon he'll finish. I don't I, think he'll finish with points, but I think he'll finish. That's that's fair. I think the discussion that will come from Haas at the moment is, look, man, as much as you're trying to push and make a name for yourself, this team does not have the finances for you to be pushing and making errors. So they might even just delta him for the whole race. That, that wouldn't shock me, to be honest, because I feel like after last year with the tyre poppings and Mick's luck, he will have a tyre pop. Go down 350 on that straight, he will have a tyre pop and he will end up in the barrier. And Gunter will put his head through something. His boat. Well, the photo of the boat that he has, because he'd have a boat by now if Mick stopped crashing. I know, right? (laughs) (laughs) Tyres are going to be an interesting choice. They're clearly going to bring the three hardest, aren't they? They'd have to after last year. Which would be, what, C4, 5, and 6? No, we've told you this before. It's 3, 4, 5. It's C1 to 5 plus inters and wets. Look, I, I can't disagree with either of you. In my world, I'm convinced there's six. There's not. I reckon... I don't... Why isn't the ultra soft and... Yeah, just bring the fucking rainbow soft. back. It was great. You understood each one. You can compare each weekend's. It's like and they only Australia, ever brought three of them. And it'd be yeah. cheaper too because you wouldn't have to repaint the side of the wheels every weekend. I don't know how tires are made, but I'm assuming there's some poor intern who's like, <laughs> which ones are we bringing? It has to paint on all the stripes. You probably just have to program. In my world, there's a person who paints the tires and there's six of them. <laughs> and it's perfect. <laughs> and Daniel Ricciardo wins every weekend. Do we want to do a quick look back in the past and see what our history has given us? My, qu- my question was, do you reckon Sebastian's going to be doing well and they get caught for cheating again? No, because he got this one, didn't he? It was the next one he didn't get. Oh, was it? I thought it was this one that he... He got a podium here last year. He got a podium yeah, he, and then I, I, think, I thought he got no, I think for fuel. Oh, is this the one they took him down off the podium? Yeah, the... No, didn't he get this podium and then the next... He got another podium and he didn't get it? I can't remember. Uh, yeah. I feel like it was hung. Yeah, no, it was Hungary, wasn't it? Because he was fighting um, Ocon for the win... Got second, oh, and yeah. then they took they took him out because that's of the right. Fuel. And he and he kept the trophy for months. He didn't give it to <laughs> anyone. He just like he instantly sent it home. Was like, I don't know what you're talking about. I've never seen a trophy in my life before. <laughs> Andy, shall you take us for a uh, short view back to the past? A drive uh, into the past. <laughs> I'm gonna take us back to a very sad year for me, 2018. Um. 2018, sad year to be a Daniel Ricciardo fan. He was the defending race winner only for his young and up-and-coming superstar teammate to break test him and cause them both to crash out, which then led Daniel to sign with Renault for 2019. I Look, being a Red Bull fan 
being a Max fan and being a Danny fan, this is the worst weekend in history for that. That whole team. Trifecta of enjoyment. But I do want to do a quick shout out to both Max and Danny because it was a spectacular crash. It looked fantastic on the replays. Why didn't Max just do the right thing? And let him pass. Yeah. Why couldn't he just do that? He should have. He really should have because right now he'd have Danny still as his teammate probably. But Oh, this, can you imagine? This raises the other question. If Perez is faster than Max this weekend, will Max let him pass? Yeah. yeah. I think he's matured now from that because he got torn to shreds by Horner after that race. Yeah, it was. It's probably the thing that Max looks back on with the most regret in his career. I think top three things he looks back on is winning a world championship, punching Ocon, <laughs> and taking Danny's girlfriend. They're, they're your favorite three moments. They're the best three. <laughs> taking, you want to specify that because he didn't take Danny's girlfriend. He took, he took Daniel's girlfriend. He took Kvyat's girlfriend. He did. Max Verstappen's the best world champion we've ever seen. <laughs> he does not give a fuck. I look. If they were upset at Max, why did Daniel leave? Daniel <sighs> gave up. There was no point. There, because it wasn't just the shenanigans Max was pulling to. There were questions around the pit stops, the strategies he was being given, the time in the car he was given, what upgrades were going where, the general reliability of the vehicle. It was just everything was mounting up. It was kind of a death of a thousand cuts for Daniel to leave. And it's sort of this was the straw that broke the camel's back in a way. Like, yeah. After that, and then Danny getting reprimanded as well as Max. It's like, are you fucking kidding me, Christian? You fucking Yeah. Yeah, do that again. <laughs> I'm still mad about it, damn it. <laughs> <laughs> but it just, the environment wasn't right. That's also when Helmut Marco and Dietrich Mader were coming in and essentially saying, this is the Max Verstappen team. And Again, social media was coming into play. You had the whole orange army. It just wasn't a very friendly spot to be in. Max was also, what, 18 mm -hmm. at the time. And he was had all the talent in the world, but did not have the head on his shoulders to be an appropriate F1 racer in a top team. And I love Max, but he just wasn't a good person to race with or race around at that time. Because if he wasn't winning, he would crash you out. He did have the unfortunate nickname of Crash Stappen at the time. To the point where a fan actually made a website uh, and it sort of detailed the last time Max crashed. And it's like, did Max with a stab and crash this weekend? Of course he did. And it links to the video of him crashing out. Yep. And it was just very, very unfriendly. I think the whole Red Bull team has matured since then. Definitely. They've learned their lessons. And they've learned them the hard way too. And I guess that's what you can give them credit for. They've... Learn what happens when you preface one driver over another driver who's not ready. They know what happens when you bring up young drivers who aren't ready. Daniel Ricciardo tore that team apart for three years when he left. It's only last year and this year that they've really been able to find themselves a successful post-Ricciardo era. Yeah. Because up until that point, they were struggling to find a driver to replace him. They bought in Pierre, and that didn't work out, and they learned a hard lesson there about what happens when you don't nurture a driver whatsoever. Pierre's had a redemption arc, which is really lovely to see. They bought an Albon again and relearned that lesson literally just after they learned it with Pierre of, oh, these kids aren't ready. Max Verstappen is unique in his talent. I mean, there's part of me that would love to see Ricardo go back to Red Bull. Never going to happen. But I, it's not going to happen. Not with Checo there. No. Anything else interesting happened from that 2018 race? That was the last podium 
that the team known as Force India ever ever took in Formula One. Ah, the team also known as Force India, also known as Racing Point, also known as Aston Martin. Yes, but under its guys of Force India, this was the last. They were cheating too, but it was mainly that their boss was corrupt. He was just on a lot of fucking. Sanjay, VJ, VJ. He was on um, wasn't he like? Something to do with like him rotting money through the banks or something. Yeah, the Indian government weren't real happy with him. No, they weren't. That's why he had to sell the team. That would do it to you. <laughs> I'm just looking to see, see if there's anything else. Well, if we look at... Actually, Red Bull were in fourth and fifth during that crash. Bottas had a sudden retirement right near the end of the race, which caused Hamilton to win. Raikkonen to come second. And Perez was a very, unlu- oh, a very lucky third-place getter. Science got fifth, Leclerc and Hartley got points. And they were in the Sauber then, wasn't it? Yes. Which is the current Alfa Romeo team. Yep. Perez has been very lucky at this track. Fernando and Stoffel Van Dorn also both got points. They were McLaren back then too, weren't they? Yep. That was the GP2 car. And that was also the time when Alonso, very early in the race, suffered a double puncture and had to come in Changed tires, he being in his give up, his Lewis Hamilton give up stage, <laughs> seven world championships of my ass. Um, yeah, he basically wanted to retire the car as well and somehow managed to pull points out of his ass. It's but just, if you win a world championship, you can just do weird things behind the behind a wheel of a car. It's, it's crazy. Because like, even though Lewis had that little spat, he went on to get points as well. He did fucking well. He did really well. Well, like fifth. What do we see from Mercedes this weekend? We haven't spoken about them really once. Haven't been much to speak about. They're not really bringing any upgrades, I don't think. Toto did come out in an interview recently and say, us picking up podiums isn't something we should be as proud of as we are, which makes sense. But it's also a little bit like, well, you've got to let your boys celebrate a little bit. Like, yeah, I mean, it's not something you want to be celebrating the evil overlord doesn't like it unless it's consistent podiums and consistent wins for Lewis. Which You've is also why he's such a good team principal because he demands excellence at every level of his operation. Exactly. He rules with a silver fist. <laughs> <laughs> with one red knuckle on it. <laughs> yeah, what do we think's going to happen this weekend? Red Bull's going to be flying. Yeah, absolutely. I don't think... This is a track they're always good at. They do have the fastest car. That back straight's going to be their best friend. I guess really where the competition will break down to is Charles getting in the way of those two and also every other car's unique setup. Alpine is due for a motor blow-up. They are due, but they've been using a fresh one every weekend. Well, Stroll will probably put it in the wall at some point. <laughs> I d- Latifi a- will probably put it in the wall at some point. Do we think Do we think that the Aston Martins with their new Red Bull configuration are going to do well at this track? One driver might. I hope Seb does really well. <laughs> he got a podium here last time. He did. He came second last time from Checo, who came first. Yeah. After a bunch of DNFs and Lewis's brake magic issue. The greatest moment in the 2021 season. Not the greatest moment. Max it was one of was my greatest. It was a highlight because... and was, from when, That was when I started watching it, and it was great to see these smoking brakes just heat up. You're like, <laughs> what's going on here? What's going on? And then he just skids off away and then loses first place pretty much. 
and still fights back for points, doesn't he, in the yeah, end I as well? Yeah, I think he kept his point streak going in that race. He came either ninth, I think it was ninth. Ninth or tenth, so that's why it shocks me that he asked about tenth getting points earlier this year. He's like, bro, you know you've been tenth. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the Astons will be an interesting one because with their new philosophy changed and with how strong Red Bull is, this will be a good measuring stick for what they've bought. Are you saying they copied Red Bull? So they did. <laughs> so we can call them Green Bulls. No, we can't. <laughs> yes, we, we can. can. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not being outnumbered on this. Where's Dave? <laughs> Dave will support me. Not here today. That's fair. He's not here today. He also sent his tips in, which means I can't pick for him, which sucks. We all know you're going to pick Stroll. Yeah, absolutely. Stroll, Zoo, Latifi, Sonoda. It's easy. (laughs) Keep him out of the points. Williams should be on for a better showing. I think they'll be just put... If they're going to get anywhere, they'll be pushing for 10th with Albon. The other car will definitely be in the wall, though. No, I think Latifi... We'll put it in the wall, yeah, agree. I don't, <laughs> <laughs> I don't think he'll put it in the wall this weekend. I think he'll crash, but I don't think he'll put it in the wall. Look, he's probably on for... Are you saying he's going to crash to it on the car? Maybe. Stroll's yeah, there. Stroll's there. <laughs> <laughs> um, who else? The Alpha Tauris, they've just not really fired this year whatsoever. They've really, really struggled to either have a consistent setup that works or consistent form... To let Pierre shine. I don't think we're going to see a change this weekend. No, you reckon they're kind of just stuck where they are for now? I think they're stuck until Austria. After the mid-season break or before? That's before, but I think Austria, I mean, it's a Red Bull track. You know what I mean? Like, I know this one is, but I just don't see the Alpha Tauris doing anything other than holding people up. Yep. They just don't have the speed on the straights compared to the Red Bull. Do we see Fernando Alonso doing something shifty again? It's nah, there's s- places no. to pass on this track. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like Alonso will be fighting. Yeah, I honestly think it's going to be pretty strong from Alpine. And as much as we like to bash on Ocon, he's been driving really well this year. Bar last weekend. Yeah, well, he took out Hamilton. He'll still probably be points. I, I wouldn't surprise me if we saw both Alpine in the points this weekend. Wouldn't, wouldn't shock me if both Alpines blew up. All that. Bottas... He's going to be Bottas, so he'll probably snag some points. Joe will retire due to car issues again. <laughs> oh, he's having a shock of the poor kid, seriously. Because he's not a shit driver. He's just really not having a good run of luck at all. Yeah. Which I don't, I don't know if the Alfa Romeos have that pace in the straight. They did say they were struggling with high-speed stability. but And it's so overtake, he can't defend as well on other tracks. It's true. It's true. I mean, if anyone's going to do well, though, Bottas will manage to pull something yeah. out of it. He'll get like a ninth or an eighth or something, I feel. Yeah, I reckon Bottas in the points. I can't see um, Guangzhou. Guangzhou. That's a new one. <laughs> Guangzhou. <laughs> Sounds like s- some shit fucking soft drink. <laughs> Zhou Guanyu. Zhou Guanyu. Zhuan. That's not even closer. <laughs> say Azerbaijan again. Azerbaijan. <laughs> <laughs> This is your. This has got to be your worst weekend. Down, it's as Azerbaijan. Azerbaijan. There you go. It's not as funny when he gets it right, is it? (laughs) 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 I like it when you. Flubs are the best. It's going to be an interesting weekend for McLaren because there are parts of this circuit that suit them really, really well. Like sector one. Yes. 
But there's other aspects of it where it's such a breaking heavy track in a lot of those corners. We know that Danny doesn't like the breaking of this McLaren, but he's quick. So he's not going to like turn one? Mm, probably not. And he's probably not going to like the hairpin into the castle section. No, and like Lando, I think is a pretty safe bet for somewhere in the top 10, but, you know, not top five. No, nah, not close this way. I think he'll be lucky to get top six. Do you reckon all this week's press is going to push Danny to, or the, even the mechanics to kind of try to get that down packed because it, it complements his driving this hard braking. If they could pull out anything this weekend to upgrade the car towards him, it would look amazing. It would. I just don't know if McLaren's willing to develop the car for him. Because uh, if, if they were really willing to make this vehicle something that Daniel would thrive in, you'd think they would have really done it coming into this year. I just, I mean, if there's a weekend where he can get a top 10, this is a pretty safe bet. Provided the car doesn't fucking kill him. Yeah. Or die on him. And that that's really the big point for McLaren at the moment is... Lando's a safe bet because this car's been designed for him to come six. Six. <laughs> Danny's the one that everything kind of is swinging on at the moment. I don't think he's mature enough, smart enough, and confident enough in his own ability to not let the media get to him. And all yeah. these appearances we've seen in the media has him being like, look, I'm not happy, but I know what this needs. We haven't really seen him go, I don't know if this sport is for me anymore. There's been no talks from his camp at all about anything apart from we're working on it. He's very calm and he's very aware. That's because he's Australian. Yeah. And that is a big part of what helps him is the fact that he's a Perth Bogan who isn't bothered by much at all. Yeah. You know, it took... I don't think you would have seen any other driver walk away from Red Bull. That took a massive amount of confidence in himself. That hasn't been shaken yet. Like, I don't think you can break that foundation that he has. If you can walk away from a world championship winning team because you go, they're not suiting me and looking after me, I don't think a bunch of stupid 16-year-olds on Twitter are going to bother you either. Very true. Is Haas good on these sorts of tracks, though, Andy? One might be. (laughs) I know Uh, you got it, Schumacher. (laughs) K-Mag will probably do well. I I don't really... Have any? Are you are you kind of saying that the sun has set on Young Mick? Because I'm I'm not I'm not setting it yet, but like it's at five p.m. Yeah. Okay, and it's winter. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it's it's almost set on him. I want to see how his his confidence is after last crash. Yeah, he'll either go down or he's just gonna kind of fight back. A little uh, bit I, I did see something during the week that said that uh crashing your car aiming to get in a top team isn't always the best strategy, but it has worked for George Russell. And Charles. <laughs> and Max. Well, we're on Charles. What do you reckon Ferrari's going to do this weekend? Come third. <laughs> the, I mean, the big talk for Ferrari will be their, their strategy. Um, both drivers last week were flawless. Like, Charles was killing it. Until? Until strategy. Yeah, I, I reckon we'll see the reemergence of the Ferrari big brain strategy. <laughs> the four D chess strategy. The four D chess strategy. They're gonna they're gonna double stack again on accident. It was well Mattia Bonotto did come out and say that look, the only takeaway we have from Monaco is that we as a leadership group have things to work on and what we're doing to these drivers because can't really knock Carlos 
he said he's struggling with the, the design of the car, which five or six people are this year. Yeah. Most yeah. of them being world champions. You know what else too? Maybe the, the strategist should just look at the times. Like seriously, they, they the the decision to bring Charles in was made when they thought Charles was seven seconds behind Carlos. They had no idea that Charles had pushed up to two seconds behind him. Do you know who I think made the decision? This might be a bit of a conspiracy, but I think their lead strategist is the front left wheel mechanic for Haas from a couple of years back. Oh, God. (laughs) It wouldn't shock me. It wouldn't shock me. Also, another good time to point out that Stroll's one of the only drivers to run over his pit crew more than once. Just want to throw that in there. We haven't seen one of them get hit in a couple of weeks. We're about due for another one of them getting absolutely laid out by supposedly one of the best drivers in the world. Tell you, Formula One is 18 of the best drivers plus Nicholas Latifi and Lance Stroll. <laughs> and that number goes down every week. Yeah, it's not looking too good for some of them. Joe's the next one on my list. <laughs> oh, I see. I think he's going to be better than you think he's going to be. I, I do. don't think he lasts in the sport more than two years. I really don't. I think Teo Forcher has that seat unlocked. Okay. The moment he's ready, they'll they'll put Teo. The Forcher only problem in. with Teo is that he's been nearly ready for two or three years. I know, but he just keeps a, crashing. He is a Sauber junior driver, but that that's something no one's taken into consideration. He is technically a Sauber junior driver. Was Zoe attached to any? No, he was attached to Alpine. I think he was, wasn't he? Yeah, he's because he was with you and I Virtuosi, which yep. is now just Virtuosi. But they're an Alpine feeder team because Jackie Doolan's tied to Alpine as well. Yeah, but it doesn't in F two. It doesn't really matter who you drive for. Look how many fucking Red Bull cars there are this year. Six, I think. And yeah, exactly. Only two of them are on the same team. Exactly. Like, First year in years we haven't seen Premier livery because they're both Red Bull drivers. Yep, and normally they're Ferrari. Yeah, 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 they were massive Ferrari feed team. But if anyone doesn't know, Red Bull made the decision last year that if you're part of their junior academy, you get a Red Bull livery car, which makes it very hard to watch F2 and F3 when there's 15 Red Bull juniors in there and they're all on different teams. Maybe just have, like, the nose cone or something. Nah. <laughs> That's enough about F2. Anything else to talk about? My only... Shout out is a nice early race for us in Australia, nine o'clock. If it doesn't rain, isn't it in the middle of like a desert sort of? No, no. Azerbaijan is in a weird spot in the world, isn't it's it? Ju- it's just near Armenia and Georgia, below Russia. There we go. So it could be a rainy track. Has it ever rained on a Baku? No. Okay, oh, yeah, I want it to. That'd that'd make it yeah. even more interesting. No, they don't race in the rain. Yeah, we're not allowed <laughs> to. It's not safe. It's not safe. But Surely this is Might more get of a your hair wet. Yeah. Yeah. And the rain here would be absolute and utter chaos because it's so quick. Yeah. And clearly Stroll will be at the back, so that means there's eighteen drivers that could be killed in front of him. <laughs> <laughs> All right, gentlemen, it's time for our top five. So who wants to be brave and go first this week? Dave is. Dave's going first, and then I think we make Andy go so Reese and I can adjust on the fly. No. <laughs> That's not happening this week. So Dave has picked uh, Latifi, Stroll, Joe, Mick, and k <laughs> 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 No, he, he's genuinely picked. Uh, he thinks Leclerc's going to win. God, he's an idiot. He's wrong. What? <laughs> he's so wrong. He's got Verstappen in. He's fucking idiot. Verstappen in second. Perez in third. Then he's gone the two Mercs. 
Russell Ma- and Hamilton. Imagine if he gets it right, though. There's no chance in hell he no, has put Saints in there. It's more likely that Josh It's more likely that Joss comes out with a chair and takes Checo out than that fucking thing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So yeah, that's Dave's Leclerc, Verstappen, Paris, Russell, and Hamilton. I have a Mercedes in mind, so I'll go second. I've gone Max Charles, Checo, Signs, and Russell. Just look. Russell will be near the top. He's almost guaranteed to be in the top five at this point. Yep. He's good. I'm enjoying seeing him race the way he's racing. As much as his personality rises in the wrong way, I don't know if it's George's personality or if it's just the media fanfare around him that makes him very unlikable. He comes across as a wet blanket to me. Look, he is. If he, I think he thinks if, if you close my eyes and you had him and Stroll talking, I wouldn't be able to pick the difference. Ooh. Oh. Ooh. No, because... Stroll Dead just accents. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, look with my with my top five. It's a it's a Red Bull strength track. I think we will see a Red Bull winning regardless. I've gone Max just because that's a safe bet. It's a safe bet. Charles in second. The Ferraris are going to be up there. Look, it if nothing happens in strategy or race wise, could be a Red Bull one two. Mm-hmm. I've put Charles in second just because I think that. Ferrari's going to have a really solid strategy this weekend. I think he'll get an undercut and then just defend for the life of it. I dare say Max is going to be out in front by 14 seconds towards the end. Similar to what we were seeing at Barcelona, but just with a Red Bull dominancy in Azerbaijan. Checo in third because I think he is faster and a better driver than Sainz at the moment. He's more comfortable in the car. They're going to be competing for the top four spots on the grid regardless. Checo will get him. Signs in fourth just because if nothing goes wrong, they're the two fastest cars by a margin. They're going to be there. Russell in fifth just because he works wonders in that Mercedes. He's genuinely a very talented driver. And as much as I want to put someone like Bottas or K-Mag or something in there, Russell also has that secret ingredient that is the one of the most important things to have in F1, which is luck. He's had a shocking year last year and the year before with his luck. He seems to have found it this year. And for anyone who doesn't think luck is an important factor in deciding F1 races, you are wrong. You have to be lucky. <laughs> you do. Luck True. decides championships. Look at that and Michael Massey. Yeah, Michael <laughs> Massey makes luck. <laughs> yeah, well, maybe, maybe, maybe a little bit of luck's manufactured, boys. Oh, the luck but factory. you still need it. <laughs> you still need it. I was, I was torn because that second place is such big points and it's so... Important to pick that. And Charles has been qualifying so well lately. He's going to be up the top of the grid at some point. But then it's a very Red Bull favoured track. So I've done the Red Bull 1-2. Max at top. Charles, I mean, Max at top. Perez second. Yep. Put Charles third. Then I was tossing up the other two. I don't know. I'm... Saying maybe it's lucky that George is going to come fourth. Maybe one of the other guys doesn't finish. I'm putting George okay. up there, something different. And then um, science in fifth. All right. So I'm going to go in fifth place. I'm going to have Mr. Consistent, Mr. Sunday. George never comes out of the top five. Russell in fifth. 
I like his title. That was a good title. <laughs> I, it was just running through every nickname I could possibly <laughs> think Crofty's ever given him, eh? Too many nicknames. Mr. Mister Too Many Nicknames. There's another one for you. Uh, in fourth place, I'm going to go with the Spanish... Alonso. No, the Spanish, <laughs> the Spanish god who has guns bigger than mine, Carlos Sainz Jr. Yep. In third place, I have the Montegast, red-faced, useless, couldn't get on the podium in his own home race, Charles Leclerc. I think we should call him Mr. I've been screwed by my team yet again. Charles Mr. Leclerc. I am stupid, Charles Leclerc. <laughs> He's going to get on the podium. He's not going to be anywhere near those Red Bulls though because I've got in second place the Mexican Minister for Defence the winner of the Monaco Grand Prix the man of the people Sergio Perez fair enough and winning of course is Supermax Supermax there's no other nickname for him he's just Supermax he's super he's super I I reckon I'm I'm with Jack Supermax is going to lead this race and be out in front oh he's going to be so far in front yeah I think this is going to feel more like we were used to last year with one of the cars getting a jump by 15-20 seconds because the others are fighting and jostling for that second and third by the time they get it sorted he'll be on autopilot cruising I'm also going to have Max taking faster slap yeah look I think he's I think he's going to get the faster slap it's going to either be him Perez or Alonso, I'd say, for faster slap. With this 16-second pit stop, if you are 20, 25 seconds in front, that's an easy pit stop to try to get the fastest lap. Yeah, true. Exactly. Very true. All right, gentlemen, shall we wrap this bad boy up? Please do. Right, thank you very much for listening, everybody. It's been an absolute pleasure. We love making this. Please find us on any of our social medias. We're at Formula Bum on Facebook, Instagram, and Discord. We're at Bums Formula on Twitter, but if you just type in Formula Bums, you'll find us. We live tweet the races. We've join, got join us from nine PM this Sunday. We'll yeah, we'll be, be tweeting. tweeting. Um, we're more active on social media than we've ever been. We've got websites being designed as we speak, so we're looking at upping the show again. And yeah, reach out to us. Keep talking to us if you like it. And also, if you can send in your emails before tomorrow night, because we're going to be sending out the test tipping form for everyone to fill in. Yeah, that's actually starting. I'm super excited for that. Me too. I'm it's, gonna be a lot of fun. I, it's basically designed, ready to go. We just need to email the people who have emailed in. There's still a few spots open, so if you're really keen, just hit us up and we'll send you the link. Yeah, and be a part of it. Yeah. And like and subscribe. Yeah, it thank you very much, guys. Anything. Not yet. <laughs> <laughs> Not yet. When I'll, if I can figure out how to draw money out of this bad boy, I will. No, that's getting cut. <laughs> <laughs> All right, thank you very much, guys. Thanks, guys. Bye. We were kayaking, and it was a two-person kayak, so the dude out in front is paddling long, and I'm in the back. I was a bit of a fat kid, so I wasn't paddling too hard. Nothing's changed. <laughs> Nothing's changed, but I've got good hand-eye coordination. And he's put his paddle into the water and flicked something up into the air, which I've reached out and instinctively caught, not realising he's flicked up a blue bottle. Oh. <laughs> so I've caught a blue bottle out of the air, wrapped around my fingers and arms, and like I locked eyes with the guy in the canoe next to me, and I was like, oh, that's... That's, That's not lovely. ideal. And then being a kid, I've just started screaming and being like, I've caught a blue bottle. But yeah, that was fucking stupid. The umpire yeah. said it was the up, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> I caught it. It was a great catch. But that's a KFC classic catch right there. Oh my God. Half the time I wish someone either around me would wear a GoPro or I'd wear a GoPro because you get the best shit. <laughs> I got stung with a blue bottle once. What happened? Dove under a wave, came up, around the shoulder, 
the head of it was probably three meters away. <laughs> then a wave came, wrapped it around me. <laughs> oh, fuck. <laughs> My arms are next to me, and I couldn't stretch them out. And I just felt like a Pokemon being paralyzed in the middle of the ocean, slowly drowning, going, help! <laughs> so I came, I was, What's wrong? I was like, got a blue ball around me. And he's like, fuck this. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm away. <laughs> yeah, I was like, oh, I can't help you. You're dead. <laughs> yeah. And have you been stuck by a blue bottle? Do you think I go near fucking water? <laughs> no, don't. There's heaps of blue bottles. Exactly. <laughs> There's dangerous shit in the water. I've been stung by blue bottles like 10 times, though. Seriously, I get stung all the time. In Barcelona. What did I say? Did I say you said Bahrain. I meant, ba- uh, I meant Bahrain. I meant... Fucking hell. I meant Barcelona. <laughs> Williams has come out and said Latifi's done an absolutely brilliant job in his FP1 at 